we did a video on how to tell if we are ready for a relationship. Being ready to not be lonely anymore is not the same thing as being ready for a relationship. And one of the things that you highlighted in the comments from that video that you really loved was that line that the right person will elevate our best and soothe our worst. I sometimes think the right person is the person who elevates our best and soothes our worst. They're not going to eradicate our worst and, and it's not their job to take it away, but they don't agitate our worst. And of course, we in turn, when we become the right person, the person who's ready for a real relationship, will elevate somebody else's best and soothe their worst. But what about when we feel like our best won't be good enough for somebody else and our worst will be too much for somebody else? This is that particular feeling of being unlovable that often prevents us from finding a relationship, really revealing ourselves and connecting. Guys, before you carry on with this video, I just wanted to say to you, if you haven't booked a spot for my virtual retreat yet in September, please take the time to at least go and see if it could be right for you. I have specialists who are waiting to talk to you on the phone and they can answer any questions you have about it. But if you want to graduate from just watching me on YouTube to being part of a, an immersive coaching program with me for your confidence in your well-being over three days in September, go check it out. It's at mhvirtualretreat.com. All right, back to the video because we're so deathly afraid that what we really are, when somebody gets to know us, our bad habits, our worst tendencies, our worst anxieties, insecurities, neurosis, that that will all be too much. It will scare someone away. Do you ever feel like that about yourself? I know that in my life, I've had those moments where I have felt like, well, what people see up front might be impressive, but when they really get to know me, they might, might find that I'm too much or that, you know, the things I struggle with, they don't want to have to deal with. When we feel like that, what happens is instead of showing our vulnerability and using it as a way of connecting, we put up a barrier so that people can't see those things. We try to be impressive as we think people want us to be for as long as possible without showing any of that. Let's say you're a jealous person and you don't wanna show that jealousy to somebody else because you're worried. You're worried that it will make you look weak or insecure or you're worried that it will be perceived as too difficult or you're worried that in some way it will give up your power. Then you just don't show it. You just bottle it up and hide it. But of course, when we bottle things up, when we bottle our, what we perceive to be Ladies and gentlemen, the VOR is back in the building. It's Wednesday, hump day. And of course, I have another heavy duty topic. Hot topic alert. Unveiling the truth. Let's talk about it. Get to your phone lines. The number to dial is 1-800-920-1580. Of course, I encourage everybody in the listening audience to participate in this discussion, it is a discussion. Everybody is welcome, non judgmental space. And I want to talk to y'all. It's not a monologue, 
But let's break down today's topic. That clip was talking about not being enough. When your best for your partner isn't good enough. Tonight's topic, advantage love, a deeper look at why some people take advantage of each other in intimate relationships. Have you not been heard? Have you felt marginalized? Have you felt minimized? Uh, Have you felt invisible, unseen? Do your feelings matter? If you're in a relationship and it's a struggle, maybe one of those areas are not being taken care of by your partner and or yourself. More importantly, yourself, I would say. Questions. Who has the power to make you feel more marginalized or minimized yourself or your significant other? Have you been made to feel that your needs, wants, and desires are merely secondary to the needs, wants, and desires of your significant other? Is there space in the relationship for what you want? Do you derive your sense of self from the relationship itself? And somehow in the relationship, if you are... uh, defined as not being enough do you take that on like man i'm 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 not enough call me 1-800-920-1580 how often do you allow your own bs belief systems and limiting perspectives to make you feel unworthy undervalued and small what are some signs that indicate you may be being used By someone in an intimate relationship. Have you been there? Where you felt. You just want me around for this. You don't really care about me. You're more interested in the thing I bring. Whatever the thing may be. It could be physicality. It could be emotionality. It could be whatever. This is very interesting. What are some of the signs that. Indicate you may be being used by someone in an intimate relationship. How does being taken advantage of emotionally differ from being taken taken advantage of in other ways within a relationship? I'm very interested to know these things, right? What are some common reasons why individuals may choose to take advantage of their partners emotionally? What are some strategies or techniques that can help you establish healthy boundaries and prevent yourself from being used by others. I want to know. After yesterday's topic, this topic fits right in. It slips right into that slot. Advantage love. A deeper look at why some people take advantage of their partner in intimate relationships. You say, well, wait a minute. Me not listening to my partner is taking advantage of them? Absolutely. If you don't make a space for them to be heard, that's taking advantage because they have a voice in the relationship as well. You not being concerned or caring about how your partner feels or their thoughts or their desires or their perspectives. Absolutely. That's taking advantage of them. Because they're in a relationship with you. And if the relationship is a team, you guys are on the same team, 
So that means my feelings, thoughts, emotions, perceptions, they should have a space here, too, that says they matter. Yeesh. It's a nice topic, man. This is a doozy. I don't know who this is. It might be for me. 1-800-920-1580. Get in here. 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 The inner tapestry of self-perception wields profound influence. One susceptibility to feeling marginalized and exacerbated by internalizing negative belief systems and limiting perspectives could have great effect. The insidious whispers of worthlessness and inadequacy can echo loudly, right, prompting vulnerability to be taken advantage of. However, the narrative is not entirely self-contained. The power dynamic within a relationship plays a pivotal role. It's within this dynamic that one's partner might inadvertently or deliberately diminish the other's significant the other's uh, significance. They may marginalize their feelings, feelings of insignificance can stem from a partner placing their needs and desires above yours, relegating your own to a secondary, second-class status within the relationship. Navigating this landscape necessitates robust boundary setting. Establishing boundaries serves as a fortress against emotional exploitation. Techniques for crafting healthy boundaries encompass assertive communication and learning to say no without guilt. An intimate understanding of self-worth and self-esteem becomes pivotal. These qualities act as a guardian, rendering one less susceptible to being taken for granted. When self-worth is unwavering, the inclination to tolerate situations that undermine it diminishes effectively deterring the perpetuation of harmful dynamics the voice of reason have you been taken for granted do you matter in your relationship does your partner make you feel like you matter is it their job to make you feel like you matter Ooh, lord 1-800-9-20-15-80 when we come forward, you already know what it is. Phone lines, more questions, more breakdown. We talking about it tonight. Changing your personality, yanking yourself inside out, trying to please somebody. And yet, no matter what you do, no matter what you change, no matter what you stop doing, no matter what you erase about yourself, if you find that no matter what you do, this person is never happy anyway, then this is not a you problem as much as it is a them problem. However, however, this dynamic says something important about the other person, but it also says something important about yourself. This kind of person is not looking for you to be able to make them happy. They're not looking for you to feel enough for them. Now, this is a hard concept to wrap your mind around. When I was in a narcissistic relationship, I remember thinking like, who doesn't want to be happy, right? Who doesn't want their partner to make them happy? So 
in this case, if you're dealing with a narcissist, what they're looking for is actually for you to be in chaos and for you to not feel enough. So if you need to lose weight, they will criticize you. When you lose weight, they will criticize you for being too skinny. It's almost like they are constantly putting you in a double bind. And what this is telling you is that they aren't looking, again, they're not looking for happiness and peace. They are looking for drama and chaos because it suits their need for narcissistic supply. Now here's the hard part. What it says about you, and this was a hard pill for me to swallow. But when we are willing to erase pieces of ourselves, when we are trying harder and harder and harder to please somebody, it is usually because there is a shame wound inside of us. Somewhere in our life, we were made to feel not enough. We were treated with conditional love and we were made to feel like we had to earn love. And so that is familiar to us to try harder and harder to please someone else. Now, what we really need to do, if this is the case, what we really need to do is to address that wound. We need to take the shame wound. Michelle Lee Neves. Goodness gracious. You got hit with you're not enough growing up. And so you became the everything to everybody. As an adult in order to. To satisfy the hungers, the hunger pain that comes from the shame wound. My goodness. Here are 25 signs that your significant other may make you feel unseen, unheard, unrespected, and not enough at the foundational level within your intimate relationships. Number one, they consistently dismiss or minimize your thoughts, feelings, or opinions. They frequently interrupt you or talk over you, not allowing you to fully express yourself. I'm guilty of that. I'd be talking. I'd be trying to add clarity. I don't I don't mean to marginalize, but maybe in that sense I do. Uh, they disregard your boundaries and consistently cross them without consideration. They make important decisions without consulting you or valuing your input. They constantly or consistently, depending on how you want to pronounce it, prioritize their own needs and desires over yours. They rarely show genuine interest or ask you about your day experiences or emotions. They frequently invalidate or belittle your emotions, making you feel like they don't matter. Uh, they consistently fail to acknowledge or appreciate your efforts or accomplishments. They often make derogatory or demeaning comments towards you, eroding your self-esteem. They consistently ignore or dismiss your requests for affection, attention, or intimacy, they rarely apologize or take responsibility for their hurtful actions or words, or even worse, they turn around and reframe it and repackage it to justify saying it in the first place. Wow. Uh, they consistently blame you for their own mistakes or shortcomings. They frequently compare you unfavorably to others, making you feel inadequate. They consistently prioritize their own interests, hobbies, or friends, or even spending quality time with you. They prioritize all of that with you as a secondary or, or even tertiary option, if that. They rarely show in empathy 
or understanding when you're going through difficult times. These are some clear signs that you're not being heard, that you're being marginalized or minimized or made to feel small or maybe even made to feel like you're not enough. Should our partners have the power to make us feel empty, to make us feel inadequate? In relationships, it is crucial to be aware of the signs that may indicate you are being used. Why? While every situation is unique, here are some common indicators. Lack of reciprocity. Gosh, it is crucial to be aware of the signs, man. Lack of reciprocity. If you consistently find yourself giving more than receiving, whether it's emotional support, time, or resources, it could be a sign you're being used. A healthy relationship involves mutual give and take. Right? Conditional affection. Ugh. Conditional affection. 1-800-920-1580. Get to your lines. Get to your lines. Talk to me. Talk to me. Conditional affection. If affection, attention, or love from your partner seems to be contingent upon meeting their needs or fulfilling their desires, it may suggest a one-sided dynamic. Genuine love should not be conditional. We had this conversation when we talked about unconditional love earlier this week. Emotional manipulation. If your partner consistently employs guilt, threats, or emotional manipulation to get what they want from you, it indicates a power imbalance and potential exploitation. Healthy relationships are built on open communication and respect. Gosh! Are y'all ready for tonight? We got callers on the line. They want to talk. Let's get them in here right now. Nazarene X, Atlanta, Georgia, it's your time to shine. Talk to me. Man, salute to you, Aunt, man. You've been bombing all week on these topics. Thank per you. Per usual. <laughs> no question. Thank you, brother. You. Love, man. So uh, one thing that came to mind for me along these lines is the African proverb which basically says a parasite cannot live alone. Hmm. And I think that's a big bar in itself because, again, when your environment internally, even in times of sickness and such, when your environment internally is that any type of invading force really can't survive, like that's, like, I would say that's akin to finding peace and fulfillment before you even enter into a partnership. So knowing yourself and having a certain level of purpose, um, it equips you to be able to give freely within your relationship without feeling like it's at your own expense. So having that kind of established within your own character, for one, it can be your own friend. And then being bold in terms of communicating with someone, if you get a hunch like something's out of whack, because I uh, I remember some years ago, you even dropped this bar about how a lot of people seek to be right when they really should be focused on being in alignment. Like that give and take relationship is big. So if you feel like you're giving, 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 and there's some way that you feel like 
your your relationship could benefit from your partner stepping up. If you're confident within yourself and you're able to communicate that to somebody, like someone that's actually on that same level of resonance or frequency with you and cares, it's going to reflect that. Again, if you're being sincere in your intentions and the way that you're showing up in your presence, then hey, you being bold and just... Yes, sir. Hey, hey Naz, I need you to hold tight. We gotta, we gotta Bless. move forward. But I'm carrying you with me when we come forward. More from Nazarene X, Atlanta, GA. So when people do not see your value, it's not about I'm not good enough. I'm not this. No, they're not for you. And we've got to learn to accept that and not internalize rejection, not internalize the fact that this person cannot step up to the table and give us what we need. That's not their role in our life. Get them out the way. You will never be good enough for the wrong person. So when people do not see your value, it's not about I'm not good enough, I'm not this. No, they're not for you. And we've got to learn to accept that and not internalize rejection, not internalize the fact that this person cannot step up to the table and give us what we need. That's not their role in our life. Get them out the way. You will. I, I had to let it play twice. Steven Speaks. My goodness, when your partner appreciates you, you know, you need to understand a partner who genuinely appreciates you, who, who cares about you. They care about your needs, your concerns. Uh, they will listen intently to, uh, you know, uh, they, they will pay attention. Th this means they will listen without judgment or butting in and asking questions to understand your feelings. I, I, I'm, I'm an advocate of asking questions when you don't understand, but I do understand the power of just listening without interrupting. That's something I need to work on myself. Uh, Andy had a thought before I get back to Nazarene X. You know, listening to Stephen Speaks, um, <clears throat> it made me question um, when trying to court somebody or, you know, trying to holler at somebody, you know, does this apply? You know what I'm saying? Like, cause you know, if I'm trying to get at a girl, she says, no, I'm not interested. Right. Based off of what Steven speaks says, she's not for me. Right. right. Does, does that apply in that regard? You know, because, uh, you know, sometimes you have to understand that a lot of speakers misspeak. Okay. Right. And because they're professional speakers, it's not like they automatically stop themselves and say, oh, no, 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 no. I misspoke. Let me say this a better way. Right. Typically, people just kind of move on after they say something like uh, that could be uh, I, w I would say that could be uh, something that is not all encompassing. So when you're speaking about a group of people, you have to speak in generalities. You can't speak in absolutes. There are no absolutes. You have to speak in generality. Potentially, this is the case for some people, but not the case for all. This is why you hear me frame different things and I'll say some but all some, but not all. So maybe he misspoke in that clip. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean they're not for you. What it means is either they're not for you right now, they could be for you later, or they've never been for you. Right? These are all answers, right? Right answers. It's just that you don't know where that person is in their particular walk at that moment. So you don't know their intent behind why they, they're not interested, right? So again, you know, sometimes speakers will say things, it goes over well, 
but it doesn't necessarily, you know, fit every situation or scenario. Right, because it has me thinking like, you know, I was always told that, you know, women respect or they like someone who's persistent. So, if, you know, if I reach out to you for the first time and you say no, based off of what he's saying, I should just continue to walk away. But, you know, do I do I really walk away or, or should I still at least, you know, poke the bear, you know, in hopes that, you know, what I'm saying she'll come around and, you know, eventually, you know, see the value that I have or whatnot. Uh, you can't see through other people's eyes. And it's fruitless to try to, you know, be their spiritual optometrist, to try to go in and, and correct their vision. Uh, that is fruitless. That is a fruitless mission. And typically people who are uh, carrying around a shame wound are, and I'm one of those people, right? People who carry a shame wound, right? Uh, we, you know, we tend to try to get into the people that we care about. We try to get into their head. We try to get into their eyes. We want them to see us as we really are. We want them to accept us as we really are. But the reality of it is once somebody sees you a certain way and they put effort into seeing you that way, there's really nothing you can do about their vision, their view of you. This is why this topic is so important, because when we're talking about feeling unloved, unwanted, not enough, not heard, not seen, a lot of times those things are inside jobs, just like self-esteem is, just like self-worth is, just like happiness just like awareness, right? Self-awareness. Uh, all of these things are inside jobs. So if you, if you let the shame wound push you to try to convince, influence, uh, overshare, whatever it is you're trying to do to get them to see you the way you see them, unless you take your spiritual eyes and transplant them into their spirit, they're not going to see you. What they're going to see is their interpretation of you. This is why I encourage people to get the book, uh, No Self, No Problem, by Christopher Niebauer, Ph.D. No Self, No Problem. And that book is talking about how neuroscience, uh, neuroscience is catching up to spirituality why buddhism in uh, 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 in particular buddhism the reason why they're saying that is because the buddhist and the hindu and the taoist they always try to get outside of their mind this is why the great krishnamurti was like psychological knowledge is the problem right technical knowledge is great i need to know how to Make a microphone if I'm going to do a radio station. I need to know how to build a microphone. I need to know how to service a microphone. I need to know how to improve on a microphone. That's technical knowledge. This is why the great Krishnamurti said our technological advancement is far surpassing or has far surpassed our spiritual knowledge. Spiritual knowledge 
is kind of like psychological knowledge. This is where everything that happened to me in the past, my attachment style is avoidant, preoccupied, or attach, uh, not uh, is uh, anxious, preoccupied, or, you know, this person hurt me. I need to go over everything that happened when this person hurt me. So you get what I'm saying? That is psychological knowledge, and that's the type of knowledge that uh, contaminates our view of anybody that comes in contact with us that may hurt us or may have already hurt us. This is why taking somebody back after they hurt you is such a, a difficult thing to do. Why? Because the, psycho, the psychological knowledge of what has already transpired is at the forefront of how they view you. Do you see? I'm sorry I went on a tangent, Andy. I appreciate it, man. You asked a question. I had to go there. When I come forward, I'm going back to Atlanta, Georgia to finish up with my brother Nazarene X. You can't make anybody need you. You can't make anybody want you, approve of you. That's all you. That's all you. That's on you. You know, um... Sometimes we do ourselves a great disservice when we put that onus on somebody else. Phone lines are cracking. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Nazarene X, let's get him back in here so he can finish his final thought. What are your final thoughts on tonight's topic, man? Man, look. Uh, so, I forgot what movie it was. The one white lady with all the uh, teachers or all the students that were bad, but long and short, she had not beaten on the desk. Talking about dangerous this above minds. all. To, yeah, dangerous minds. That's it. Right. <laughs> this above all to thine own self be true. Did you curse? <laughs> was no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> this say. above. Oh, okay, now. <laughs> this above all to thine own self be true. Mm-hmm. So, again, from the time before you even meet someone to while you're in a relationship, Honor yourself to the fullest. Do not be afraid. Be bold and confident in who you are and just flow with the rhythm. If it's off key, understand that hey, different strokes for different folks, but never play yourself out of the pocket. Sacrifice is necessary, but you don't have to do that at your own expense. Mm-hmm. It, it naturally just works out. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. Hey, you brought Atlanta in the building. If you want to bring your city in the building like Nazarene X brought the A in the building? All you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? The voice of reason is on fire tonight. We're talking about being unseen, unheard, unloved, uncared for, uns- unsupported in your relationship. Do you feel invisible? Do you feel like you're caught in a perpetual power dynamic to where your thoughts, feelings, emotions, desires, and ideas are somehow secondary to those of your partner, 1-800-920-1580. Are they doing it to you? Are you doing it to yourself? 1-800-920-1580. The phone lines are cracking. Let's get it cracking, cracking, cracking. Atala, Houston, Texas. Get in here. What up, Aunt? How are you? I'm all right. All right. So I've got a few things to say. Um, So why do we take advantage of each other? Because... We take advantage of ourselves. We are not appreciating our own gifts, talents, time. And I'm guilty of this. Like, I 
how can how else why else wouldn't I attract someone who doesn't appreciate or doesn't fully see me when I'm not fully looking at myself? Mm. Mm. Say more. Go deeper. So essentially, if I don't have self authorship, if I'm not self actualized in that way to recognize who I am, what I'm supposed to be doing, how that affects other people, I can't really expect a full functioning full-fledged relationship with another person who also is supposed to be doing the same thing. Mm. I'm only going to attract the level to which my water will reach. Mm. Mm. Say more. This is good. You're cooking. There's more to it. (laughs) There's more to it. I promise you there's more. Go deeper. There's more. Right. So I think that when we dishonor ourselves, when I have dishonored myself and abandoned myself, the abandonment from that other person soon follows. Give me an example example Uh of how one would abandon themselves. So for me, what that looks like is maybe not speaking my piece on a particular issue. Mm. And it, it like compiles itself. Like I'm doing this multiple times, essentially kind of going along to get along. I've experienced this at work. We do that in places where we feel like the risk is just not worth um, the level of authenticity that we'd have to give. So if me being completely authentic at work means that I might get reprimanded, then I'm going to essentially dim my own way. Instead of saying, you know, maybe I need to go find another place that is accepting and um, understands where I'm coming from. So let me, I, I believe that, you know, life has a way of kind of just showing you what you need to do, right? Mm -hmm. This is what I mean by that, right? Life has a way of kind of showing you uh, what you need to do. And what happens is, say a person says, you know what, I'm going to take this off of my significant other's to-do list for me, and I'm going to do it Mm -hmm. for me, right? When you start pouring into your own internal power, the very act of that is actually not only just transforming you, it's also transforming the relationship. I believe Mm -hmm. many people want the relationship to transform via the actions of their significant other. And I'm saying, well, maybe the true answer to this thing is you changing you evolving you working on you you changing you when you change the relationship has no choice but to change what are your thoughts i completely agree i mean in my experience in the moments that i've changed it's led to either one or two things either the relationship fell off completely or it strengthened it mm-hmm Mm. I completely agree. I, I think that um, if we're going to go through these trials and tribulations with each other and essentially kind of, you know, duke it out, um, it's important to get better and that you're not going to be the same. Wait, 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 wait. Because you just said it. So you're telling me if y'all good people and there's mm-hmm. love there and mm-hmm. y'all go through something and you get better for having gone through it. That's a moment to mm-hmm. rejoice and celebrate that God saw fit to bring y'all through something where other people may have fallen 
for even lesser infractions, right? Yes. So you're saying, you're saying it's a good thing to go through something and then find the strength to rebuild it? You tell me that's yeah. a, talk to me. Talk to me, please. Yeah, because I mean, what else are we here for on mm. the earth? Like and maybe uh, maybe I'm not I don't know, maybe I'm weird, but I just feel like what else am I here for if it's not to grow through and go through some things with the person that I love? Like how can you really say you even love someone if you're not willing to go through that furnace with them? Well, because the furnace kills the ego. The ego is built Don't from, let it die. but the, but it is hard to let it die because the ego is you. Yes. So so this is back mm-hmm. to this is back to the work of Krishnamurti and psychological knowledge. It's the psychological knowledge that is problematic. I can't forgive you, even though I say I do, but I really can't because I'm harboring what you did or what you said or how you treated me and i'm harboring it to such a degree that it colors my vision of you stay with me atala because you done got me turned up right now stay with me when we come forward we going back to houston texas sean don't you leave me sean i see you and don't you leave all right I'm doing this first question came to me via um, a Facebook message, actually. Um, And I'm going to read it to you right now. Let's jump in. This is, uh, and I never, if you do email me, I'm never going to say your name on here. Um, Although if you want to let me know your country or something, that's always nice. But this does seem to have come from within the United States. And the question is, I'm feeling unloved and unappreciated or not good enough in some way. Is this a me problem or is my partner causing it? And this is a great question. And I get asked things like this a lot. So let me just say, first and foremost, you're, nobody else causes anything. Uh, so the answer is, it is a you problem. It is not your, pro- your partner causing it. Uh, and I just want to say that first. However, I've got some caveats, so keep listening. But you are... I mean, really think about that. No one, you know, what did Eleanor Roosevelt famously say many years ago? No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And that's really what this is about. No one can make you feel a certain way. And I know it can seem that way because it seems like people make us feel all kinds of things. So, yeah, of course, it sucks if someone's mean to us or, you know, it's hard not to get your feelings hurt if, you know, someone acts a certain way. But what I have found over the years is that, number one, we, we, pers- we say that things have a definition that they often don't. So our partner leaving, maybe if my, you know, partner leaves his sock on the floor, I say, oh, he doesn't appreciate me. He thinks I'm a maid. That means he doesn't appreciate me. He doesn't really love me. He doesn't understand me. I have this whole thing about a sock on the floor. Uh, And so we are often deciding what something means. And, And we even say things like, you knew what you meant or you didn't mean that when you said that. You meant this. We even tell people what they mean or what they said when it wasn't. And that's a you problem. That's a you thing. You got to get out of that. And the, the example I use of this all the time is this. Let's say I am walking down the street 
and someone says to me, um, I don't know, like someone's passing by and goes, oh my God, you're gross. Like you're obese. You're disgusting. You shouldn't even be walking on the street. You should go home. And I'm not obese. I'm not saying my butt isn't bigger than I'd like, but I'm not obese. <laughs> and I don't think I'm obese. I don't have an issue with that. I don't have any big problem there. So I'm not going to, I'm going to think the other person's crazy. They're saying, in other words, you ain't got to take it in. But it's frustrating. It's difficult when you're with a significant other, somebody you love, somebody you care. And do you think you should even have an expectation for being who you are? Listen to what I'm saying. Sometimes because we think we're good, a good person, because we think we are good people and we do right by our partner or we try to do our best, sometimes there's this desire to want our presence to be acknowledged. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but she's talking about the inside job of happiness. I think we, we, we tend to put emphasis and importance on things that if we were really fulfilled internally wouldn't be such a big deal, right? So I heard somebody say uh, the, the the four agreements, or not the four agreements, but uh, the love languages were basically uh, what wounded people want. So if you never got gifts when you were kids, you want gifts in your relationships. If you never were touched and shown affection, you want to be touched and shown affection, right? I, I often believe many times, you know, if we have this, you know, idea about who we think we are, when we show up in the relationship, we feel like you got to acknowledge who I think I am. You know, I'm here for you. I got your back, but you got to acknowledge that, right? And the reality of it is, if you did the inner work, that request is really not, you know, it's not a deal breaker, I should say. Yo, the phone lines are cracking. And so is the chat room. Everybody in the chat room. Neek is the knight just got in here. Attila Phillips is in here. Nazarene X. We got the whole crew in Zynga. Everybody is in the building. Lady Aries. I want to talk to everybody. Get to your phone lines. The number to dial is 1-800-920-1580. We're talking about being taken advantage of, being marginalized, being made to feel small. Nobody can make you feel smaller than yourself. Agree or disagree with that? 1-800-920-1580. Attila, Houston, Texas. Get back in here and wrap us with your final thought. Atala, Atala, are you there? Okay, there you are. There we go. We got you back. Talk to me. Atala, is she there? Testing one, two. Atala, where that phone? <laughs> you Are you there or no? You there? I hear her for a second and then she's gone. All right, Atala, you got to call back. You got to call back. It's all right. Call me back. Call me back because I want your final thought. Call me back. The number to dial, 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580. Sean, Oakland, California. Get in here. Hey, brother. What? This is powerful. This is a great show. Uh, as a, a person um, who has witnessed sh- 
shaming, right? Thank goodness my family never used that as a tool. And by the way, it is a tool that people use who are weak. That first thing when someone shames you, realize they are weak. You're never going to understand the depth of what you say all the time, brother, wounds and all these things that happen in their life. But whatever the case, they're weak because shaming does not work. It's never worked. It will never work. And it's never worked. Okay. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Because if it has to do with the way someone looks, the way someone talks, right? They didn't say the sentence the correct way. It doesn't even have to be looks. Like you didn't, really? Did you just say that? I said, did you understand what I said? Oh, yeah. But, well, I'm not writing a book when I'm talking to you. I just want you to understand what I'm saying. But some people will jump on every single little tiny thing to shame you because I believe what you're saying. I I love the work in progress. I love the whip. I love the, you know, because of the, uh, um, you know, wounds. Because if you're going to really take out your wounds on someone else by shaming them, especially for like, you know, they're not in perfect shape, Instead of shaming someone, how about you don't say a damn word and and, and make a nice dinner that's healthy, that's nice, and we do it together, and we might have a wonderful evening together, or take a nice walk together and enjoy the sunset. You know, enjoy the finer things in life. Why are you taking it out on someone else? It's because someone took it out on you. Mm. So please don't continue that pattern. Mm. Okay. Sean, straight from Oakland, California, town business. We appreciate the call. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow. Sean told us, didn't he? (laughs) Listen, it happens in relationships. People, you know, who think they're in a better position, you know, people who think they didn't do anything wrong, people who think... uh, Uh, You know, they're not responsible for uh, the breakdown of a relationship. Of course, they're going to make the other person feel like they're responsible. And of course, they're going to blame them. They're going to shift the blame to them. It happens all day in America. The point that we're trying to make tonight is what are you doing to not internalize what has happened? See, you remember a month or so ago. I did a show about forgiveness, but it wasn't a straightforward show about forgiveness. The caption basically said real forgiveness is acknowledging that it never happened. And so what does that mean? Again, this is like a a Zen Cohen. Do you know anything about Zen and, and cones, the cones? All right, it's the Zen cones are like riddles, right? So an example of that Zen cone would be, what is the sound of one hand clapping, right? That's designed to get your mind out of its pattern. 
the pattern of rumination, the pattern of repetition, right? Oh, so I carry a wound, a shame wound from my childhood into my adult relationships. I'm anxious and preoccupied and I'm trying to fix it because I don't want to exacerbate the wound, right? This is what happens to a lot of people. So when, when that does happen, they become dependent on the encouragement, on the acknowledgement, on the approval, on the acceptance of their partner. So in the event that what that person was doing to bring some type of value to the relationship is no longer necessary, needed, and or wanted, then you have a person who might internalize Wow, I'm being rejected, especially if the partner is like, ah, man, that's cool. That was that was cool for back in the day. But now this don't work no more. And now you start to feel like, wow, nothing I do matters. I'm not adding up to something. I'm not, you know, affecting the type of response that I want. Well, again, inside job activity. We got Atala back on Atala. Yeah, back in the building. Are you good now? All right. <laughs> I, I hope so. All right. You can hear me, right? Yes. Talk to me. Okay. So real quick. So Lady Aries made a really good point. She was saying that the internalized, internalized child, internalization can be a beast. Yes. If you are internalizing these things, you have yet self-actualized and see who you are outside of the relationship, outside of any dynamic, just you who are you to find that um figure that out because then you find yourself taking responsibility for things that aren't yours and if you're dealing with somebody who's manipulative or albeit narcissistic or whatever they're going to relish that they want you to take responsibility for the things places ideas all of that that's not yours because essentially they want to mold you so i think it's important to mold your own destiny mold yourself Mm. so that no one else can um, take advantage of that. Mm, that's heavy. Heavy. Heavy from the mind of Atala from Houston, Texas. Yo. Yo, that's different. But how does one even recognize when somebody has made them feel small or tried to dim their light? How does How does one even recognize that? Because it permeates in every facet of your life. I'll give you an example. So, Growing up, right, I was always told, you think you know everything. You always talk about what I thought because that's what my mind is always moving. It never stops, unfortunately. So what does that mean? That means that when I walk into a situation, any arena, work or whatever have you, I'm constantly wondering, am I doing too much? Am I overthinking? Am I too much? Am I saying too much? Maybe I should just be quiet. Right? So that essentially attracts people to me who are going to in a sense, see that, understand that there's a bigger light here that could come out, but they're going to keep you in that space because that benefits them. That is advantageous towards them. And so I found myself just going into arenas, you know, fields of work that just weren't even really aligned with me because it allowed me to stay small. Mm. But uh, the most I just had other plans. He was like, nah, you're going to get to the front. Like, I'm telling you, Uncle Zoe, like, I kept having experiences where they're like, no, we need you to speak. We need you to do this. We need you to do that. And I was constantly avoiding it. And at some point, I just realized that I couldn't. Mm. I couldn't outrun myself. 
Mm, I couldn't outrun myself. Lord, what? why were you trying to? Because I was always told that me, that the, the me that is me is bad. Mm. The me that other people like is great because I have a very, I have a unique ability to essentially mold and become what other people want because I see what they want. Some people don't even have the ability to see. I have the ability to see what I can become. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is if I'm becoming what someone else wants, then I never get to actualize into what I actually am. Wow. I love every minute of this discussion with my sister Atala from Houston, Texas. If you want to bring your city in the building, all you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580. When we come forward, I'm going to get deeper. I'm going to go way deeper. I want y'all to tap back in after we come forward. Check out my playlist. But I'm telling you, when we come forward, I'm going to blow the roof off this month. Welcome back to my channel. As you know, I'm Coach Lilia. I'm a relationship coach and a narcissist abuse survivor myself. And I know I haven't posted on here in a while. I really want to take the focus on narcissistic women, okay? Because these are mothers that raise children that are severely traumatized. There are so many men that are being domestically abused that are we don't talk about it enough because men don't talk about it. And, you know, we typically think of a narcissist as somebody who is a male, grandiose person, right? With zero empathy, of course. But we need to talk more about how narcissism is manifested in women. Today, I want to talk to you about how does a narcissistic wife treat her husband in a marriage or a domestic relationship, right? As long as it's like a long-term relationship where they're living together for a number of years. So let's, let's go ahead and dive into it. Number one, you as the male, you will always feel like the problem. I have clients that ask me all the time, am I the problem? Am I the narcissist? Is it my fault? No, it's not your fault, okay? This is exactly how an abuser wants you to feel in that relationship. They will basically blame you for everything. They will always be unsatisfied. You will always feel like you're disappointing them all the time and you're going to think it's your fault and you're going to try harder and she's going to basically embarrass you more. She's going to take away your manhood. She's always going to explain things to you like you're a little child, you know, like if you're drying the dishes, why did you put them here? Or if you buy something that's a brand that she doesn't like, why did you buy this brand? You know, I don't like this. Like it's always going to be that nagging. Nothing's ever good enough. There's never going to be that good job. Thank you so much. No, you're never going to hear that. Everything you do is going to be incorrect and you will believe it and you will truly feel like you're the problem in the relationship. So please, if you're the man that's suffering from this kind of abuse, I want to tell you right now, it's not your fault. She's making you feel like this on purpose. Number two is that this woman is always going to be against you. She's always going to take the side against you. She's never going to be your true partner, okay? She's going to do this to embarrass you. She's going to do this to basically once again take away your manhood. Like, She's never treating you as a partner, as an equal. She's always against you because she doesn't trust you, because she doesn't know how to trust. Because remember, narcissistic people in general, they never feel safe in their relationship, ever. 
because they never had that attachment that was secure in their childhood. Therefore, she's not going to have that with you. So she's always going to be skeptical of everything and basically never support you in anything because why? She has to be against you because clearly she can't trust you. That's all built up in her head. The third one is very common is that this woman, especially if she was using sexuality to manipulate you in the beginning, right? Now she's going to take away that affection fully and she's going to make you feel guilty for wanting to be intimate with her. And why is she doing this? Well, first of all, so that you feel like something's wrong with you for wanting to be physical with your wife, which is, you know, it's crazy to think about because you will truly believe that you're... I mean, people going through hell. <laughs> the voice of reason back on KBLA Talk 1580. People are going through hell. What in the world? Yes, people are going through it. And it's tough, man. It is tough. Let me explain something to you, man. Uh, okay? Right? When you feel marginalized or minimized or your light is being dimmed or you're being taken, uh, taken for granted within intimate relationships, you need to understand, like, some, some pieces here. All right? There's an interplay of marginalization, and that is the self versus you know, the significant other, right? Both oneself and a significant other hold the power to contribute to feelings of marginalization or minimization. In other words, you have the power to make yourself feel small. You have the power to make yourself feel like my light is being dimmed. You can do that to yourself. One of the ways of doing that is negative self-talk. But then your significant other there's something different here, you know. Uh, you know, while external actions can impact self-perception, it is crucial to recognize the role of personal agency in interpreting and responding to the dynamic between your significant other, like, you know, dumping on you a little bit and you dumping on yourself. Maybe you dumping on yourself is an invitation for them to do so. And maybe the moment you stop doing it, they'll stop doing it. Then you have to understand there's something about balance, balancing needs and desires. Feeling that one's needs, wants, and desires are secondary to a significant other's can be disheartening. Open communication and mutual respect are essential to ensure that both partners are being acknowledged and their feelings are being met. Their needs are being met. It is crucial to establish a healthy bound, uh, balance where both individuals feel valued and heard. It's not you hear me and that's all that matters. Or I hear you and that's all that matters. No, we got to get better on hearing each other and making space to be heard. I'm not 100% uh, a master of it. Uh, when it's brought to my attention, I try to do my best to accommodate my significant other in listening. Uh, you know, like I said, I got my hang up. Sometimes I interrupt and ask questions and, and sometimes it's really just about listening. When I come forward, I'm going to go more into this point. We got a lot to talk about. Are you your own worst critic? Are you wrestling with a lot of insecurity and self-doubt right now, but don't know why? 
When you internalize the idea of not being good enough, you don't appreciate yourself enough. When you're too harsh and demanding with yourself, it leads you to believe that you don't deserve anything in life. It's only human nature to doubt yourself and to want to be a better person, but it's important to know when it goes from self-improvement to self-destruction. Here are seven of the most likely reasons why you don't feel good enough. One, you're overly self-critical. Do you find it hard to forgive yourself for your mistakes? Do you immediately blame yourself when something goes wrong in your life? Research has shown that our day-to-day -day thoughts can have a powerful impact on our feelings, behaviors, and attitudes. So if you often talk down to yourself a lot and criticize yourself too harshly, it would certainly result in low self-esteem, pessimistic thinking, and feelings of inadequacy. These negative beliefs inform the way you feel about yourself. And if you keep listening to your own negativity, you'll never feel like you're good enough. Two, you always compare yourself to others. As the saying goes, comparison is the thief of joy. Making comparisons does not only hurt your self-esteem, but also causes misery. A lot of us are guilty of doing this, especially when you're feeling insecure or doubting yourself. But social comparisons only make you feel worse because the reality is there will always be someone who you consider better than yourself. And focusing too much on competing with everyone else and seeing how you measure up to them will just leave you feeling bitter, envious, and resentful of both others and yourself. Three, you're surrounded by toxic people. Do your so-called friends like to prey on your insecurities and make fun of you for it? Does your partner tear you down with backhanded compliments and thinly veiled judgment? Is your family unsupportive of everything you do? Sometimes the problem might not lie so much in yourself, but in the people you choose to surround yourself with. The people you love are supposed to boost your self-confidence and help you see the good in yourself. No! But all unhealthy. No! No! They're not supposed to make you love yourself more. No! We're mirrors. We reflect the work. Whether the work is done or undone, relationship on a spiritual level is designed to show you what you need to work on about yourself. That's it. I'm telling you, language is going to catch up to spiritual understanding at some point, but I guess not today. The reality of it is, right, we have to stop saying things like they're supposed to make us happy. They're supposed to bring peace into our lives. They're not supposed to bring their drama here. Listen, if you got it, it's in you. If you're dealing with it in your relationships, that's a clear sign that it is in you. That's all it is to it. Now, yes, sometimes we marginalize ourselves. Sometimes we second guess ourselves. Sometimes we doubt ourselves. Sometimes we put ourselves down. Sometimes we minimize and marginalize and dim our own light. Well, if you do that, just see that as promotion. You done took out an ad in the paper that says all goofies and busters come here. That's what you've done. I'm guilty. 
Arabia looking at me sideways right now. I'm guilty. I done did it. <laughs> I done did it. Man, everything wrong in my life. I know that I'm responsible <laughs> for that. Like, that's what it is. I'm responsible. You heard that old saying, uh, nobody can mistreat you or take advantage of you without you co-signing, without your consent. Uh, the actual quote is from Eleanor Roosevelt, and it's, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent, right? There have been many times in my life where I have conceded to other people's opinions and perspectives of me. And, you know, it, it usually doesn't, turn out well for me when I do that you know no one has power over us unless we concede that power to them and I'm saying this to say if you're in a relationship right now and you're being made to feel like you don't matter you're being made to feel like your light is dim or you're less than your partner. That will end the moment you stand up for yourself. See, Atala was on earlier and Atala said something about keeping her voice quiet and not talking. And then at some point she had to say something, right? She got, she got to a point where she had to speak out. Well, speaking out, is a type of standing up for yourself. But before you can stand up in protection of yourself, you might have to learn how to stand up to yourself. Stop doing what you're doing, which is promoting that other people can do it too. Because if you would do it to yourself, why wouldn't somebody come into your life and think that they couldn't do it as well? You do it to yourself. So one way to really change the way you see things is to challenge limiting beliefs. Allowing limiting beliefs and societal condition conditionings uh, to influence self-perception can lead to a feeling of unworthiness and being undervalued, recognizing and challenging these beliefs systems is key to reclaiming self-worth, engaging in self-reflection, seeking therapy and participating and, and practicing with self-compassion. All of these things can help you overcome, you know, what you do to yourself as well as what others have done to you, right? You got to challenge those limiting beliefs. Uh, you heard the distinction I made months ago when we did the boundaries show. I believe that there's a distinction between boundaries and clowndries. I believe that if you want to sound boundary, there can't be any fear, ego, negative self-talk, limiting beliefs, in, uh, unbalanced uh, needs and desires, 
there can't be low self-esteem, communication breakdowns within yourself. Do you understand? Man, heavy stuff tonight. When we come forward, you think Zoe's going to stop cooking? Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. I'm Alan Robarge, a relationship coach. Welcome to the new love addiction, where we are not talking about addiction. We're talking about attachment injuries and healing from attachment trauma. And when attachment trauma is present in one's life, emotional developmental trauma around relationships and relating, it can impact and influence our sense of self, how we feel about ourself, and we internalize some beliefs, uh, core beliefs about who we are. And these oftentimes are not pretty. They are painful, they are harsh. And what this would mean, ideas such as, I do not matter. I am not good enough. There is something fundamentally wrong with me. And the feeling states that this produces are ones of contempt and shame and disgust and feeling embarrassed about being a human being, feeling embarrassed about being yourself, feeling disgust around having your own needs and wants and desires, uh, having shame, shaming yourself for feeling shame. It is self-generating. It is uh, cyclical uh, that there is shame on top of shame. So in this moment, I want to acknowledge how incredibly painful these distorted core beliefs, this distorted thinking as far as how you feel about yourself. And you learned this through life experience. You learned this through family history. You learned this through neglect, abandonment, and abuse. You learned this from relationships uh, where your value was devalued. And so therefore you internalize that and you can, you believed it and you, you continue to devalue yourself. You continue to have some feelings of disgust and contempt for yourself. Now I'm aware and, and perhaps you're aware too, that you don't feel like this all the time. I like to create this, this, uh, this idea, I like to say, well, this is your whole life and this is who you are on the job and this is who you are with friends and this is when you're, you know, doing XYZ. This is this aspect of yourself. We're not saying that all of you is uh, worthy of contempt, shame, embarrassment, disgust, and that all of you is lacking worth or that you do not matter or that you're not good enough. But we're trying to hone in if we're looking at the continuum of your life and how you're showing up in multiple contexts. There's this one part of you, this one place, and oftentimes it gets triggered when intimacy, emotional connection, relationship with a partner, when we're, it, 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 the trigger itself has, is linked to the depth of loving and the depth of vulnerability that comes with it. Man, oh man, a Shevitz. That's heavy. You do it to yourself. Somebody in the chat room, Attila Phillips. 
She brought up a great point. There's a great book I want everybody to read. I've read it a thousand times and still haven't been able to extrapolate all of the knowledge and wisdom within it contained therein. Guilt is the Teacher, Love is the Lesson by Joan Bory Senko. Guilt is the teacher, love is the lesson. Everybody should go out and get that book. I present a lot of complex ideas and concepts to you guys about relationships on a daily basis. I've been doing it for almost two years now. In March of 2024, will make two years if I live that long. Uh, but I've been here doing this, right? Uh, not because I'm an expert. Not because... Um, I somehow got it all figured out and I got all the words. No, I do it because I need it personally. I need healing personally. I need understanding personally. Like, I don't do this because, you know, I want to be seen as a guru or an authority or a leader in this. I'm doing it because I'm in search of my own answers, right? And I'm as flawed as the next person. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard, you know, to muster up, sometimes to muster up the strength because sometimes I'm doing a topic and everything that I'm presenting is a solution for what I need for myself or is a pathway to get, something that I need for myself. Uh, I never want to present as if uh, the speaker in these conversations, the, the radio personality, is the star. No, you're the star. and you, sh you should be the star in your own movie. You should be the star in your relationship. And that doesn't mean your partner isn't the star as well. It just means you should never let your light be diminished. You know, and... It's really your responsibility to keep your flame lit, right? To keep your flame lit. Self-esteem and self-worth significantly influence the likelihood of being taken advantage of in a relationship. Individuals with low self-esteem may be more vulnerable to being, you know, or to accepting mistreatment or neglect. Uh, you know, cultivating self-esteem through self-care, I call it self-empathy, self-compassion, and seeking support can mitigate this vulnerability. Uh, you know, and also, I tell people this as well. We like to point out the red flags in our partner. We like to point out the red flags in our partner. Just like the, tonight's topic. You know, if you make yourself small, of course, you're going to call others into your space that will help you stay small. Well, red flags work the same way. Red flags are an external representation of unfinished internal self-work. Somebody, somebody, red flags in your relationship, in your partner, are external indicators of unfinished internal self-work. Past experiences and traumas 
can impact vulnerability to being uh, can impact vulnerability to being used or taken advantage of in relationships. Unresolved wounds may lead to patterns of accepting mistreatment or neglect. Seeking therapy to heal past traumas and develop healthy coping mechanisms can reduce vulnerability and promote healthier relationship dynamics. Listen, I started it. You finish it. I appreciate you all. See you tomorrow.